0: what <laughs> no, no no nothing 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 yeah uh hex after dark we are back as we want to do this is a weekly podcast uh, and of course on this weekly podcast we talk about only the most important things mm-hmm. the critical things the critical things like how if people want to support this podcast they can head on over to patreon.com slash hex or they can use our tcg affiliate player TCG player affiliate link uh, in the description below so if you're going to be buying cards which we know you're going to be anyway uh use that link purchase from TCG player and uh you know helps helps support the show so it may not be breaking news but it's way, to us the most important news oh it's not breaking news but i said we only talk about the most important things True. and that's that is, very, that is important, very important at thing. least at least to me and you at least, <laughs> also, it, it helps our beer fund <laughs> also important not hitting the recording equipment while recording. That's a that's a key step. Yeah, so but like I said, the most important things like winning first place at your school's science fair.
1: Is that what you just did? I thought, and I by thought that, you finished I mean,
0: school. And by that I mean <laughs> oh, dude, I, <laughs> honestly I'm still I'm still like in Still working for the G E D, you know? Mentally Respect and emotionally. Yeah, exactly. Um well we we have been grinding these past couple weeks and we actually we just got officially official. We each got a a brew that we made uh, officially accepted into the uh, Pauper Decklist Database. The competitive the name
1: Pauper um, Database. So the the CPDH Database, and this is this is a separate initiative from the Pauper uh, popper DH. I, I want to. I, I feel like there should be a better way. The Pdh Rules Committee. Um, has a tiered list of the best decks in the format. This is a separate initiative that's trying to be a more open um, or, or have more decks kind of included in the final process uh going off of budgetbrews.club.com. Uh, <laughs> Just budgetbrews.club. Yeah, this, this whole not.com.org thing throws me off. Budgetbrews.club has been a great resource <laughs> for uh, other C-P- CEDH decks. My God, the acronyms. Uh, and also having different budget restrictions with uh cedh lists so it seemed like a great idea to host uh C P D H lists on the same site uh and kind of treat it like they are um the the sort of older brother competitive format um and then yeah so that that's where we are we now officially have hex drinker created lists tested uh through game nights and such uh, one deck of course is better than the other because it has one at said game nights but you know we we're,
0: we're not here to pick favorites I think I think there's some qualifiers to that statement. I think one, there was a, an immediate just like Eric just came through and just fucking Tanya Harding me like literally turn one just smack me right in the smack me right in the legs with the iron pipe for and uh, who don't get that and, and for context you know
1: um, you may know Tanya Harding but you might not know Julian's deck because he hasn't told it to you yet but a graveyard based deck uh, where a turn one Relic of Progenitus hits the field it's it's a little bit interesting to try and come back from that.
0: Yeah, and then also, like, turn six or seven, you were just like, oh, would you look at that? I have my own Relic of Progenitus. So for for a short time, I was playing against two Relics of Progenitus. Well, you know, great things come um, in pairs, Julian. That's true. Also, I will argue that really probably Oak should have won that game. (laughs) But. Yeah, Oakley's uh, (laughs) competitive, not
1: competitive, um, gray merchant of Asphodel uh PDH deck continues to be sort of the boogeyman of our format in just terms of raw power that it can produce. The only thing that holds it back is due to its raw power it gets targeted early and frequently. Um in in this case exactly. it was it was milled effectively. <laughs> uh, cuz I I mean the card draw on that deck too is crazy. Like for a mono black build it, it gets yeah. pretty far pretty fast.
0: It goes. I we can maybe discuss the the game mm-hmm. uh, that pretty, most recent game in a little bit because I think it was actually a very good game and I think that Yeah everyone's decks did I think everyone's decks had the potential and I think that there was a bunch of different things that all kind of converged (laughs) but um yes so cpdh we've been talking about pdh now for I want to say at least six months Mm -hmm. maybe even more and we've been talking about cpdh for I don't know maybe three or four months right um we've shouted out a bunch of the wonderful people in the community the tryhards uh the dark confidants um uh competitive commander. Is that, I think that's one of them. Yeah. And,
1: and a lot of the, the individual contributors to the, uh, pauper rules committee as well. We've, we've called out before, uh, Alcadron and, and, um, Scarecrow and all those guys, uh, uh, Alora, I think we've we've used a, a couple cute snail builds in the past.
0: Yes, yes, Alora. Cl- well, obviously Clay is part of the Tryhards community. Yeah, but Clay. Really, everyone like it, it, everyone is decks. so
1: dedicated to both the PDH and the CPDH groups that you know we, we it's a it's a really giving community and it's been really nice, especially with this uh, inclusion into the database to kind of give back. You know, like hopefully we can inspire other builders with with our stuff. Uh, that we should probably just go into and tell tell the fine people what they've won. Yeah, with well, our I think the
0: other thing I, I think the, you're saying it's nice to give back. Whereas, one, I think we should thank them for one f- formulating this formulating yeah. and executing this project mm-hmm. because I personally have played multiple of these decks because I'm like, oh, I need a deck because I haven't I hadn't brought one myself. I go to this database and I'm like, oh, I like I want to try that. I want to try that, and then also. We were brew- like we did the lion's share of the brewing, but like, you know, there was no small part of contribution from the community being like, hey, you might want to include this, or like, you're look, you-, you probably need a few more of this type of spell, or you probably don't need this, etc. Mm-hmm. So there was, you know. Do you wanna
1: uh, do you wanna we- kind of we jump into grateful. the uh, the submission process?
0: Yeah, yeah, Chubb, why don't you walk us through the submission process? Because they, I mean, they. They have this thing down to a science. So <laughs> yeah. once again. It, so um, again, huge shout out to the budgetbrews.club uh, for
1: kind of deciding to, to, to help host CPDH decks in a way that is much more accessible uh, where you can just go to the site, click on Pauper, see all the lists with links to the actual lists. Uh, it's, a, it's a step up from the Word document that we were, we were using previously to kind of source CPDH decks. That is for uh, sure. And so it's it's been really great to, to kind of see them in that light. So the... The structure of submission to this um, CPDH database is very similar to what BudgetBrews.club does for their uh, CEDH list, which is four times a year. There's open submission windows. Uh, in this case, though, you'd go to the CEDH Budget Brews Discord, um, and within that, there is a pauper EDH brewing um, channel, I guess. Channel, and then four yeah. times a year, that gets opened up to submissions. You'll you'll put in your deck, and then it's looked over by the uh, Pauper Commander. Um, oh, I don't know what they call themselves. Uh, I should know. The Pauper Commander Deck Database Committee, because we're all about those those long winded titles. Um, yeah, give me give me the where's the acronym for the that? The C the PCDDC. You know, sounds like a government agency. Um, but apart I'm from I'm sorry. That, did you say the CDC? <laughs> the CDC. Uh, yeah. So they'll, they'll... The Center for Deck Control. The Center for de- Exactly. The Center for Pauper Ooh. Deck Control, the CPDC. Uh, they're going to look over your deck list and especially um, with with Clay, um, Ryan, Allura, who's been a part mm-hmm. of it as well. Um, and I believe Corey from um, the Dark Confidence, Dark Confidence has joined yeah, as well. For sure. Uh, to, to look over the deck list, provide feedback, provide switches, kind of compare it to the other decks that are in the meta. And then it comes across... Um, Everyone else's views to kind of like, you know, add some more feedback before finally going into sort of a, a five checklist criteria to see if it's, it's, um, you know, going to be considered for this database that is trying to be competitive as opposed to just pauper, uh, EDH. So the five, the five criteria are one, the deck is intended to be com- played in a competitive setting with the intention of winning the game. <laughs> so kind of a mindset thing, um, Pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Straight you know, you want to win, C-P-H. the deck wants to win. That's, yeah. that's, that's where we'll get you. Uh, we'll skip two for now because that's the, the most important bullet. Um, three, the desk must have a primer, which at a minimum discusses the intricacies of the archetype and or strategy of the list and how it wins the game. So this helps people, like when they click on your list from the database, they are brought to um, whatever service you use and they can see immediately, read into the deck what it's supposed to do and kind of cut that learning curve of piloting it you know, to a third or a quarter of the time. Um, four, there are no obvious exclusions of staple cards without specific justification. So with PDH, there is a very limited set of cards that are incredibly good. Um, and t- not including these cards is going to be a massive detriment to your deck because there is not yet as much sort of wiggle room and playing around as there can be with Commander where you have far more powerful cards. Uh, so... Without including these like very specific ones, you kind of need to
0: replace them with some good reason. I mean, I think this kind of ties into the first bullet of like this is meant to be a competitive right. deck, and you want to win the game. So why would you in in a format that has the C in front, right? Whether right. CD little CDH lowercase CDH C. <laughs> yeah. If you wanna, if you want to, you know, why would you play lesser cards, not not as efficient, not as raw power powerful mm-hmm. uh, cards? when you could be playing these exactly um, you know it's you know if you want if you want to play the the really niche and the um just more wonky in general you know find yourself a a, a casual commander table where people are paying playing fives you know yeah and and have at it but if you want to roll up to a competitive uh proper edh game uh you should be playing the best right and also once again the community has done a really good job of preparing um like packages yeah so basically like compendiums of like red. what's good
1: for every color the tutor lists yeah, etc exactly. it's all it's all down to a science at this point uh mm. the the last criteria before we jump back to two uh the deck must be hosted on either moxfield or architect which are probably the two most feature forward deck builders currently um i know mm. we we switched last year from tapped out to moxfield and the difference is like night and day uh, super good, super easy platform to use. Same with Architect. I tried that out for a little bit as well. They have some really cool um, connections with EDH Rec and other services as well that it can kind of help you build in a more competitive uh, manner. So
0: that's another really good one, and it keeps the quality up as well. Chev, I once again, time is a weird thing, but I'm pretty sure we switched to Moxfield back in like 2020, dude. So it's been like <laughs> almost, almost two we years. We might have like almost two years, and we never looked yeah, back. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> Shout out to Eric who was like, Hey, Tapped out is like hurts my eyes. Yeah. Can yeah. we
1: please I remember being scared so. of change since it was like a small team and they were like this is still working on the features right now, but you know, they've continued yeah. to bat it and
0: one they of have one of the heroes of the pandemic. <laughs> that is a uh, that is a great product. We cannot we cannot uh, mm-hmm prop Moxfield up enough. Uh, And so... What's that last bullet? Yeah, so
1: that that last bullet is the one that really a lot of the submissions are going to come down to and that is bullet two. The deck represents a powerful and unique strategy not similarly expressed by other lists in the DDB and its commander is not easily replaced by a more powerful in strategy option. So this is the one where there's really going to be the sink or swim for a lot of decks. Like, you can write the primer, you can make it look nice, you can include the staples, but you need to have a strategy that is unique enough... Um, or as a different take on an existing thing um, that could be considered kind of comparable. And we also try to make sure that like if your deck is a Voltron strategy, uh, you reference other Voltron decks that are in the database and kind of, you know, the synergies, the, the pluses and minuses of each strategy to kind of bring a more all together and wholesome approach to like You know, you're looking at strategy because you like it. Here are other examples of it. And here are the differences between them. But we don't want any sort of decks in here that are exact copies or trying to do the same exact thing, maybe with just a slightly different like commander, because that doesn't really help the format grow or bring diversity to the format, which is really what the database is trying to show is
0: all the different ways you can be competitive and powerful in a PDH setting. Right. That being said, of course, it is a tightrope because there are plenty of... Uncommon creatures that are just bad So yep. theoretically you could make a Let's say a blue-black shell mm-hmm. Which I, I think is You know, almost like The the, uh, the go-to point at this point Make a blue-black shell Put generic uh, You know Blue-black <laughs> uncommon creature at the helm But it's like, okay, but I'm just I'm playing a high tide combo or something mm-hmm. There's better ways to do that Because there are Several uh, as shown in the database and also your deck as well uh blue black uncommons that are yeah you know, can do things and can add immense value to the deck but just because you're you have to put a little bit more thought into it yeah but it is a, a, an interesting tightrope walk between trying to do something new but also once again trying to maintain that competitive right range. and i think i think some of that is at least the the
1: intention behind the its commander is not easily replaced by a more powerful in strategy option especially when you've got Lines that are uh, not necessarily well known at this point, but uh, pretty well explored, I would say. Things like high tide combo, other flicker combos—they're—they're they're known quantities to the extent where you know certain commanders are going to enable the strategy a little bit better. One—one uh, one of the interesting yeah. things we did see uh, this time around with submissions is there's another deck that that got added, uh, wall of denial in the in the hot seat in the commander, um, which doesn't bring forward the strategy at all, but instead. F- focuses on kind of protecting you until you can a, kind of establish the combo lines as opposed to other commanders yeah. that might help you with the combo but are more likely to be targeted uh, also because they might not have shroud which makes them very easy to be targeted um yes
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's all for these sure. things yeah, are wall of denial. considerations. that was a cool deck it was it was kind of almost moving into like that sort of like as mid range as like an azorius deck can be mm-hmm. but you know but we've seen Certain decks in the database that are don't necessarily have a combo, but their commander just provides right like incidental value. I'm primarily thinking of just because we have played against it multiple times, and I think it's whooped our ass every single time. Is a Witherbloom uh, apprentice, <laughs> uh, Ryan's deck, where it's yep. like there's no specific com- Well, I guess he has some storm things in there, but there's no specific combo with Witherbloom, it just gives right. Great Incremental advantage. Same thing with wall denial. Like that thing just brick houses everything. Mm-hmm. You can't touch it. And then of course, obviously, by playing it as your commander, you get access to white, which has a bunch of good stuff. Yeah, too. yeah.
1: Like it's one of the big things that we'll always come back to with this format is the difference between uncommons, especially nowadays, and commons is so drastic that a lot of the time you you might lean too heavily on that commander slot uh, because the power level and power difference is going to be so much greater. Um, unless you're great merchant of Asphodel, then you just suck <laughs> uh, at both at both rarities and and uh, et cetera. But so let's let's kind of go into I think the next step would be you know uh, let's let's walk through kind of our our process of what decks we made and kind of how they they meet each of these criteria.
0: I would love to. Well, Chev, you got the ball rolling first, so why don't you <laughs> why don't you take it away?
1: So um, it, kind of like. Julian and I really started focusing and trying to hammer out these strategies um, after we were able to play with a couple members of the Tryhards uh, in CPDH a couple weeks ago. Uh, I believe the game was um, with Apprentice, Toast. Uh, I, I forget the other two decks that were there. Uh, oh, it was a Brunard, the Bru- Battlehammer. Brunar,
0: Battlehammer, and then I was playing um, Ghost and, uh, is it Armix? The one that discards right, artifacts? Right, right, yeah. Yeah. So we were kind of playing with those decks,
1: and, and we, we hadn't been able to play CPDH uh, with with other members of the community for quite some time. So it was a really fun refresher, and we stayed on and we we're kind of talking to Ryan and, and jumping some ideas back and forth. When I when I revealed, I had some some ideas and some scheming behind a synergy I realized with um, persistent petitioners and dusk mantle guild mage. So dusk mantle guild mage is a Gate crash, Uncommon, uh, one of those, you know, guild mage cycles that we see from Ravnica uh, every time. Um, a 2-2 two, two for 2, uh, blue and black. Uh, for one blue and black, whenever a card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere this turn, that player loses one life. Um, two and a blue and a black. This ability is largely irrelevant, but target player puts the top two cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So... It can can mill, but we're really interested in that first ability of whenever a card is put into a graveyard, deal one life. So I thought with persistent petitioners, which is a common, a deck can have any number of them, um, you can tap four untapped advisors you control, the creature type of persistent petitioners. Target player puts the top 12 cards of their library into their graveyard. So PDH, being a 30 life format, uh, you just need to activate this three times with four petitioners, and a Dusk mantle Guildmage trigger, and you can kill someone uh, way before you have to worry about milling 100 cards. So I thought this was a really interesting sort of dynamic to play around with, and that led me to kind of scheming up this deck, really trying to hone it into the perfect sort of synergy between some cards that are... are Way more powerful when you're dealing with multiple copies of a creature. Uh, Some of this will go into the articles that are published on our website today to kind of talk about these submissions as well in a little more detail. Uh, But Dramatic Reversal, for one thing. Uh, Blue and one, untap all non permanents permanence you control. I thought this would be great with just repeated persistent partitioner activations, especially since you only need to activate Dusk Mantle once per turn for the effect to take uh, hold. And then Echoing Return. Of course, it's from Modern Horizons 2 for one black return target creature card and all other cards with the same name as that card from your graveyard to your hand, which is amazing. So with with those two cards, 25 persistent petitioners, my commander and a dream, I started really trying to put something together um, that would allow me to tutor for all the pieces I want and focus besides that sort of core package, really just on the draw, the removal, and the tutors. Because we're going to win with the partitioners. This isn't a high tide deck. This isn't anything fancy. This is just trying to mill your opponents and kill them in the process. Um, so then I, I reached out to to Ryan again and reached out to Clay and, and figured out you know where, where to be submitting uh, this deck list. And then it was a process of kind of getting help from the... Uh, what did we call them? The Center for Pauper Deck Control um, to mm-hmm. look at the deck list and kind of offer some ideas and really honing the packages down from the maybe more... Um, Interesting pieces to the ones that are really going to help you win the game. So focusing on, you know, the the trinket mage synergies, the siphon mines, as opposed to the more fancy uh, like lotus petal, mind stone, ghostly flicker, all things that are good. But with this strategy, where we're really just trying to get the petitioners out as much as possible, would be excess. And so each each member of the committee who kind of offered their feedback did a great job of kind of explaining why each of these cards should be switched. And I think in total, there was a change of probably 15 cards uh, to the, the final list. Uh, and and since then, it's been doing great. Uh, as I al- might've alluded to earlier, it did win our previous uh, game night when we played a CPDH game, all things considered. Uh, it did do its job on, on multiple people, which made me incredibly happy. I
0: mean, you... you... Drained me for like twenty four damage, so
1: yeah. Drained you for twenty four, got Oakley <laughs> down to a, a single card in his library through repeated activations, because that's that's really what yeah, I was going to say.
0: You you properly milled, yeah, him, properly, <laughs> which was
1: very impressive. Really, <laughs> it's like th- you really want Dusk Mantle <clears throat> Mage to be able to win, and it's great that he costs two mana, so you can continue to play him over and over. But there is still the fact that with four petitioners on the the battlefield, um, you can mill someone for twelve. So it's not the way that you would want to win the game because you're going to have to do that to three people most likely. Um, but it is something to kind of like, you don't have dust mantle out. You're just trying to like use your activations. You can incidentally get people down a lot of cards and hopefully in a format with less recursion and less redundancy, get rid of their combo pieces. That is 100% for sure. So that was... Yeah, so... That, oh, God. that was kind of uh, uh, my process for this whole thing. So, Julian, tell me about
0: how you fell in love with a giant snake, bro. You know, honestly, when I first looked at Cryptic Serpent, uh, I was like, "Oh, this could be like kind of funny and weird." Mm-hmm. But then, as I was brewing this deck and as it went through several iterations, I like, I did, I really did fall in love with this <laughs> this big dumb snake. Um, I so. I don't know if I recommend this, if you're like, oh, I would like to brew uh, a PDH deck or uh, a CPDH deck, I, either, you know. Uh, but I just went to, to Scryfall and uh, just searched for literally all the uncommon creatures. And uh, It took him I quite I some time. Just... The number
1: of queries I was getting from you over the course of this was <laughs> <laughs> massive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would just like see something. I'd be like, Oh, that's cool. Chew, what do you think? What do you think about this? And Trevor like, no, that wouldn't, that wouldn't work. And I'll, I like go through and I'll be like, Oh, this, this could, and Trevor be like, yeah, there, there's some potential. And I was like, ah, it just doesn't feel right yet. But, um, eventually I came to cryptic serpent, um, which this was after like an hour of looking through and cryptic serpents in the seas. So like, you, you know that I, there's a lot of things that I missed, but, um, <laughs> uh, cryptic serpent is five blue, blue, um, for a six, five. Uh, so, and then it also says, this spell costs one less to cast for each incident sorcery in your graveyard. So the things that immediately drew me to this was, one, it's in blue. Uh, I would say, unarguably, the best color in CPH. Um, you could maybe make a case for black, mm-hmm. uh, depending on what kind of deck you're trying to play, but you, you really want blue. Um, it's got a huge mana reduction mechanic, which is great because seven mana base. But And then also this mana reduction mechanic... Uh, can go into commander attacks, too. So if I have nine cards, nine instances of sorceries in my graveyard, I can still play this for just blue, blue. So th- theoretically, this is a commander I can play for only two mana. Um, and also, it's nice because it's since we're in a mono color, I don't have to worry about fixing. It's just right. you know, and I also get to play a bunch of utility lands. And then also, it's a six five, and uh, commander damage in Pauper is only sixteen. So this is very close to being just a two hit kill. So I was like, oh wow, I don't normally play attacky decks and I especially don't play Voltron decks um, and also Voltron decks are, are fairly underrepresented in the CPDH meta and also on, on, on the database I would mm-hmm. say so far. That's changing with this recent update. Um, I think we actually got what, two or yeah, three? Yeah, you know, I think the uh, only Voltron existing decks.
1: Voltron deck prior um, is Crackling Drake was which of Crackling course Drake, is going yeah. to focus a little bit more on filling the graveyard first and then playing the creature later to a higher power whereas Cryptic Serpent and um, Dargo of dargo malcolm which is also going to be, be mm. added this time around um is a cost reduction commander but with set stats so you try to play them earlier but then you have the the big body they're hoping to get out there as soon as possible so it's a an interesting take on sort of like instead of changing power we're changing like cost and that's a, a really cool lever to
0: kind of play with yeah yeah that's that's certainly because i i have played that or i have played a version um, I need to look at the the final list that was some, that was uh, accepted, but I've played a version of that uh, Dargo deck, and it's 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 good, but it oftentimes um, has that combo finish because you can play it with Malcolm, and it's got stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then cryptic or um, sorry, crackling Drake, also a really good Voltron deck, um, but cryptic serpent can oftentimes come down earlier and cheaper on average because crackling drake also draws a lot of a, a removal so anyway once i decided on cryptic serpent i was like all right bet how are we gonna do this so obviously want to play a bunch of instants and sorceries that's not a problem i'm just gonna play a bunch <laughs> of draw spells i mean, i basically was like i'm gonna play draw spells counter spells and uh removal spells mm-hmm. which in blue is pretty much like bounce spells um oh man can you imagine if we got like rapid hybridization and pongify at common (laughs) i mean we got reality shift
1: and um resculpt but you didn't you didn't seem uh, to want to include those but you had a good reason for for taking out those kind of cards. raven not raven raven
0: raven form and yes i do like those cards and i think that they should see more play in pdh Mm -hmm. um maybe Pdh, but there's probably you could argue there's things that are more efficient, even though they do. Exile. If you have access but, to um, black, for this for sure. Um,
1: for blue, for, for, sure, I'm, for sure. I'm
0: still. I would still fight for those. But I, I believe your reasoning for this one
1: was just you don't want to leave your opponent with blockers because I, I don't see those in, oh, yeah. in this list.
0: Especially for for Raven form because, you know, minus all the the quote unquote boring things, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, like counter spells, draw spells, um and bounce spells and stuff, of which we're playing m- most of <laughs> most of <laughs> Uh, most well there's there's some that i was not able to include just because obviously i only get 100 100 cards right but um then the rest of the deck is really focused on making sure that cryptic serpent is not blocked is not blocked um either through cards like artful dodge which is just target creatures unblockable Mm -hmm. for a blue but then it flashes back um aqueous form is an enchantment that gives it unblockable but also scries when it attacks stuff like that and then things that pump so some of the the biggest ones uh or two of my personal favorite ones are One with the Wind and Spectral Flight, uh, which are, they're both one in a blue for an enchantment that says enchanted creature gets plus two plus two and has flying. Well, now all of a sudden, I have an eight, seven evasive cryptic serpent. That's going to be a two hit kill generally. Mm -hmm. And that's also assuming that I can protect it with various um, protection spells. Um, And then I have things like Bone Splitter, Dark Steel Axe. um, (laughs) uh, Opal Palace and Cave of Temptation are both lands, that can put counters on your things, which are very uh, like like I said, we're in only uh, we're in a monocolor deck. Yeah. So I get to play you know a reasonable amount of utility lands. So those are also really nice too. But yeah, basically the deck just wants to um, get Cryptic Serpent unblockable down cheap, unblockable, and uh, preferably Shooting with a plus two buff, so we can get the uh, yeah the, the two hit kill. Unfortunately, there are no double strike options in mono blue. <laughs> um and also i did i did play around with some haste options that's that's like the next major thing mm-hmm. for this deck in, in testing is is how much haste do we need um and kind of tweaking that sort of thing uh but that that will be coming later this will be a a living breathing uh a deck so um you know i'll update the primer and the list as as i make new things but um Similar to you, I'm playing a bunch of the the good things. So, uh, you got your Into the Royals, your Blink of an Eyes, your your Boomerangs, your uh, uh I actually was able to Echoing Truths uh like five petitioners off chev's board at one point uh during our game, which was good. So, we're playing a bunch of, you know, all the good stuff. Um two two particular ones that I want to shout out that were brought to my attention, um are Runaway Together and Vanishing. So, Runaway Together, I played a bunch in Throne of Eldraine Limited. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a one in the blue for an instant. Choose two target creatures controlled by different players. Now this is this is where I missed it. Um, you return those creatures to their owners' hands. Uh, since we have multiple people at the table, I can just choose two of my opponents. Yeah. Normally, when limited or in standard or whatever, you would have to choose one of your own creatures, which we still can. In case someone is targeting Cryptic Snake, we can actually uh, bring the snake back to our hand and also bounce something else. But this also can just be get rid of your commander and get rid of your commander yeah at least temporarily and the, then reading reading run away oh, together
1: really makes me think of like old school commander which i know we've we've kind of come away from but it's like finding this this particular clause is better in multiplayer than it is you know in in two-player just just feels really good you feel like you're getting away with something and and j- any any chance you can to just like kind of sneak in that sort of magic feeling it's it's worth it
0: yeah it's i don't i don't it's just weirded so wordly relative to like normally you you see something and you're like oh it's like like each player yeah. this happens to each player mm-hmm. and you're like oh this is clearly a commander card or like each opponent whatever but this is it's worded weirdly another one that like also every time anyone mentioned this they would like put like the like the sly face emoji so i like i'm like trying to figure out if this was a meme but it, then it put it in work Uh, Vanishing. Oh, vanishing is is worth it. Yeah. Meme phase for sure, but it's 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 so good. It's great. So it's an aura for a single blue. Mm -hmm. So once it gets super cheap, and it just says blue, blue, enchanted creature phases out. Now, this serves two purposes. One, you can put this on your cryptic serpent so that you can essentially, as long as you have blue, blue, you can always protect it. And it will come in back in uh, your uh, untap untap step. And and, uh, effectively have haste. So you can always be swinging with it when you need to. Um, But also, you can put this on someone else's thing? And I like basically denied Eric his commander for like four or five turns mm-hmm. in a row during that most recent game. Which
1: for context um, was a Warden of the Eye. So if, if you guys have seen that deck, it really cares about having access to its commander so you can blink it. Warden of the Eye is a five mana 3-3 three, three. when it enters the battlefield. Return target, non-creature, non-land card from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, Eric was getting up to some sneaky stuff with, with that. And so Julian was able to put a stop to it with essentially the blue version of Oubliette.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So that, that's, a, that's a hot one. Uh, we've got some good tutors in here. Standard, model mixture, merchant scroll. Um, oh, another another spicy include that I, uh, I like. Unfortunately, it does not get us to the, the full uh, plus two pump, but ceremonial knife. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player... Oh, sorry. Whenever it deals combat damage, I actually was not reading this right. So if you block, I still get. We still get a blood token, which of course blood tokens um, are artifacts that you can use to basically filter, discard a card, draw a card. Um, we want to discard stuff into our graveyard, mm-hmm. um, and also we just want to dig through so that we can continue to you know find our, our bone splitters or whatever. Um, and uh, I think I think the two other biggest level ups that I had in conjunction with the uh, the center for popper uh, deck control was the addition of creatures in my (laughs) veteran deck Um, just because I have been fortunate enough that a majority of the games that I've played, I have not been victim to the edicts, but there are edicts that run Mm. rampant edicts effects being like each player sacrifices a creature or something, something like that. Fleshbag Marauder, Diabolic Edict. um, I think Chainer's Edict is as well um, in the format. Uh, So since we only have one creature and you can't really like, you can't, play a dive down and give your your cryptic hex hexproof and then not have to sacrifice it right. so uh playing things like archaeomancer just to get good instances of sorceries backs mnemonic World does the same thing a uh, trinket mage uh which can then go find you your seat of the sign ad so it's like <laughs> almost it's like almost ram um for the, for those of you who have not seen this if you're playing blue you basically should play trinket mage mm-hmm. plus um you know the artifact lands also it can get ceremonial knife it can get a uh, tormount script which is super important yeah. because graveyard de- this is a graveyard deck graveyard decks run rampant in the Relic and well. progenitus so, like, to-
1: uh i think the spell bombs yep, are like- also ether spell bomb is one like it's it's a really good tutor spell yep. that i think is just popping up plus
0: in this i can get bone splinter and dark helix yeah. which are both um crucial and then um uh wait, wait
1: there was one other and I mean, of course, like if you're in mono blue, it's great. If you're in any color of blue, multicolor blue, definitely run trinket Mage because of the new artifact lands that were added in Modern rise 2. Those uh, two color ones that come in tapped and are indestructible. Yeah.
0: Oh, and then um, would you another hot pick?
1: Sorry. Uh, would you say that the another focus that was really helpful from the uh, the center for Pauper deck control would be a, a higher emphasis on looting. 'Cause so I think that was part of the process as well. Yes, so loot So that was that
0: was that was the second one that I was gonna bring up after uh creatures and my the last creature I did want to mention, Organ Hoarder, mm-hmm. uh which was uh super hot and limited, but a four mana, three two that when it enters, look at the top three, you get one and the others go into your graveyard. Yeah, um so I was trying to play my my initial vision was basically just like sort almost like what you would want for like a, a storm or a spellslinger deck in normal EDH where you just play like all the cantrips and you just churn through mm-hmm. your deck as fast as you can. So I had, you know, getaxian probe, ponder, preordain, which those are all still in the deck, but it was important like <laughs> uh, Sleight of hand. Basically everything that cost one or two mana and drew one or two cards. Right. But um yeah, actually and I had like um like compulsive research, uh, draw 3 and then discard 2 unless you discard a land. I had consider which um you can bin the top card of your library and draw a card, stuff like that. Uh, deep analysis, which you could flashback. Um, so cards like that, that uh, put stuff into the graveyard, but um, I was really encouraged and just decided to lean into more of these cards that, yeah. Uh, essentially draw cards in bin, loot, however you want to say it. Like strategic planning, one in a blue, look at the top three, one in a hand, the rest in the graveyard. Uh, scattered thoughts, four in a blue instant, look at the top four, two into the hand, the rest in the graveyard. So these are cards that are one they are going into the graveyard themselves uh they are getting me more cards uh you know the uh, generally the best card out of some number off the top and then the rest can go into the graveyard and i'm running 29 oh wait no i got to sort by uh <laughs> that's another thing is that uh when you create your deck you need to Uh, do custom categories so that you know people can see exactly Mm -hmm. oh here's the combo here's what's going on so I constantly have to flip back and forth between uh, sort by uh, card type and stuff but I'm running 15 sorceries and 33 instants so nearly half of the deck is things that when they go in the graveyard they will uh, reduce cryptic serpent's mana cost so yeah like you know when I play a thirst for meaning I'm drawing three cards and then discarding two cards like you know this, that's, that's that basically says hey draw three cards and then get a minus 2 reduction <laughs> on your creatures but yeah and, like, any of those easily. that put multiple sorry minus in the 3 BR is beautiful minus 3 because thirst goes in as well mm-hmm. that's another is that obviously so that was like that was really the final overhaul of the deck was you know getting rid of your uh, your portents and playing your thought Scours um and playing like otherworldly gaze and like pieces of the puzzle these these cards that normally look not that great, but they're efficient, and of course, obviously we're working with only common spells. Uh so great stuff. Great, great stuff. Yeah, um and then I did keep treasure cruise though. <laughs> Even though it's delving, that card is just too darn good. The the power level is too damn high. Didn't didn't Eric recur Treasure, treasure cruise. cruise
1: like two or three times uh in in our game last week? Yes, he did. Which was ridiculous. With Warden and, um, I think Mystic Sanctuary, of course, is going to be part of a lot of those things. Um, and then I, I think Ghostly Flicker came back quite a few times as well before, uh, eventually Warden of the Eye found themselves vanished.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, um, Eric re- played Treasure Cruise, got it back, mm-hmm. played it again, and then went to get it back again. And I believe I either like fizzled his spell or, uh, or uh, exile it out of his graveyard so he couldn't have it. Yeah. But then uh, mystic sanctuary though, I did have some mystic sanctuary. I had some nice little little loops. Doing deprived de- the mystic sanctuary little, deprived yeah, loop is, it's hot. It's hot. <laughs> but then someone, someone said I wasn't allowed to do that. And they think they mailed the top 12. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever I, that could put be. That They're the, probably genius. When I put that deprived back on. So yeah, so that's basically my deck. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a lot of fun to brew and, uh, Everybody was very instrumental in, um, you know, taking it from a reasonable idea to a, a powerhouse,
1: really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing is, is like, the, the format is still new enough and still, like, growing at such a rapid pace that while the community may be small, they're all dedicated to kind of pushing it and growing it in every way as possible. So there are very few ways to get as in touch with so many dedicated and veteran builders of the format Uh, who can come in, and especially people that are part of... I think there's a bunch of people in the Discord that are part of the only in-paper PDH or CPDH meta uh, up in Washington, I think. Um, So you get like feedback from real deck players uh, and, and... Everyone who kind of has their their eye on all these interesting combos that are still coming out of the woodwork, still interesting things. Like Mystic Sanctuary, Deprive, I'd only really heard about recently. Trinket Mage is a tutor. Like I took my foot off CPDH for a couple months, came back and it was there. Uh, All these really interesting things are still being discovered and this is the best way to kind of get them out and mature your deck building uh, to something that's really competitive and and can stand toe-to-toe with the boogeymen of the format uh, like Crackling Drake, like... um, Wither Bloom Apprentice, like Toast. Literally like, any deck that plays High Tide. <laughs> any deck that plays High Tide, yeah. Uh, I, and Malcolm and Dargo, I'm surprised it took them th- as long to get there as it, as it did, which is two... I love uh, that deck. It's so good, especially really this new build. So has, I think Dargo is, is the other really good uh, reduced cost big beater commander you can play. Um, but the Malcolm-Dargo right. build, Dargo can get out there. Um, Dargo's ability is you can sacrifice artifacts to get two off cost, um, to play him he's a 7-5 and then any artifact or creature you sacrifice this turn uh, also reduces cost by 2 so you're playing with treasures that you get from Malcolm each treasure you crack and sack uh, nets you 3 mana reduction to Dargo which is insane and then that deck is also playing um, the one that Clay has, has uh, brought into the database and, and Alora, I believe it's a, a team effort um, has 2 other combo win cons um, which is just insane and obscene and and totally it totally cool to to yeah that deck it's
0: it's 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 uh it's dargo and malcolm right Right. not just Mm -hmm. dargo yeah yeah that deck has yeah i think like three or four ways that it can win like two two like one with both of them right uh one with one or two with just malcolm and then like one or two with just dargo because dargo also can just deal lethal right yeah dargo dargo kills quite quickly and is pretty yes. resilient
1: in terms of yeah. uh, reduced cost. Almost as almost as fast as
0: uh, crypto. Almost fast. as fast.
1: <laughs> I look forward to the analysis <laughs> between the two and in, uh, in the primers.
0: That is something I need to add to the to, to the primer is mm-hmm. uh, comparison to other powerful Voltron lists. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, well, I will say now that we've gone through this process. I mean, we were already seasoned brewers, but now I feel like. Uh, we have a pretty good touch on the format too. So, if people want to talk CPDH, we we're brewing. Mm-hmm. We want to talk it. So, hit us up. Uh, you know the socials and all that stuff. It's it's in the description. I don't say anymore. Yeah, no we one, uh, you, of course if no you if you it. listen
1: to the podcast and you uh, haven't been to HexDrinkers.com yet, we'll be dropping deck techs of both of these decks, including kind of going through some of the some of the more interesting things that are a little bit more um, verbose than you might expect from the primers. Of course, they'll be linked back to the primers and all that kind of stuff as well. And you can see more in-depth analysis into how we crafted these, the cards to look out for, uh, all that good stuff you can kind of expect from our content. And, you know, we'll be trying to be playing more. And and uh, if you guys have any ideas as well for this format or you want to submit next time, the next submission window is in April, we are more than happy to play games. Uh, I think what I, I think what I really... What I really liked about last night's, last week's game night when we had all the guys playing CPDH decks is we've tried playing PDH and CPDH with everyone before, and sometimes the games can go long, right? With PDH, you have less redundancy, less resilience to effects. Sometimes you can end up in a pretty dry state. And in my opinion, CPDH is, is the most fun way to play PDH. Uh, there's there's a little less room for, you know, kind of playing your own thing. But you get this still the very interesting kind of combos and lines. And it was enough that people that are more used to the fast-pacedness of EDH um, were still really into it. I think Eric a couple times remarked how much he enjoyed playing at the CPDH level because there was so much interaction in our game that night. Uh, whereas before, we kind of ended up in a huge stalemate where uh, I think not all of our decks were up to the same level. And we had a Killian stacks deck kind of just... Slowly destroying us while we couldn't really do anything about it. Um, so, there, there are obviously going to be games like that, like there are in any format. But when you're playing with the CPDH decks, there's a lot less of a chance to kind of for, for content to get stale. And, and that is super cool to play with and a really interesting sort of sideways grade from if you're used to EDH and things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we would 100% um, encourage everyone to. If anything, just look at the database. I'm gonna link the database, mm-hmm. I'm gonna link both of our decks as well in the uh, episode description. Uh, check that out, see what's going on. Um, all of those decks are very cool. Um, they are, they all have primers so you can see exactly what's going on, like why there's certain uh, decisions. And of course, obviously, if you are attempting to get in the format or you're attempting to start brewing for the first time in the format, uh, hit us up. We'd love to talk, we'd love to you know, impart on you the knowledge that has been imparted on us <laughs> or turn you to more knowledgeable people. Um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously check out the content creators that we said, um, join the discards, the discords, yada, yada. Like people are not only one very willing to, you know, and bring you into the community and bring you up to speed, but they're also just really good and, um, really considerate teachers. It's not like you need to play this because these cards you're playing is bad. It's well, here's kind of how the meta shakes out. And right. Here's these things that you need to consider and all that. So it's been a wonderful opportunity and, uh, I think really now the thing is we just want more people to play with because I'm trying to play some (laughs) games. And, uh, you know, it's a small community, but it's growing. It's a good community. Damn straight. All right. Time to go to bed.